With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for eight dollars with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are ten for ten dollars with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is twenty cents per gallon and one dollar per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to twenty-five gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a November 22nd Tuesday episode of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I am your co-host for... This evening's episode, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and former Blazer beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. And I'm joined by Dane Carbaugh uh, from NBC's Pro Basketball Talk, Blazers Edge. I'm, I'm, st- I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on. I'm happy to still be alive. Uh, happy to get to Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy to still be alive. Happy we're still, you know, we're... What is it? For, Three weeks in or two weeks into the uh, Donald Trump presidency. Yeah, I still have health care for now, but you know, right in the future, maybe well, not so much. We're pulling through. Uh, we're sticking it out, and we're here to talk some Portland Trailblazers, and because that's what we do. Yeah, isn't it? That is that is that is technically what we do. Yes, it's yeah. Te- it, 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 yeah. It's an it, accurate reflection. Yeah, accurate. Refle- at least what we do in this, in, what we do in this feed, you know. In, yeah. In the however many minutes every week, you know, however many times per week, this is what we do. Yeah. Uh, and what the Blazers do is they play basketball, and they have not been doing a great job of it as of late. They lose tonight to the New York Knicks, who have been playing better. As of late, but the Blazers still lose nonetheless. 107-103 in New York. Damian Lillard led the Blazers with 22 points on 8 of 18 shooting, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. CJ McCollum had 16 points on 6 of 17 shooting. Not quite as good of a night as he had against the Brooklyn Nets when he had 33 on Sunday. But Kristaps Porzingis balling as he has been lately. 31 points, nine rebounds, making me look smart for choosing him as the team, as the player after LeBron in the East that I would build around with Chris Manning the other day uh, uh, of Lockdown Cavs. He asked me, so Chris Stapps, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for making me look good. <laughs> but yeah, Blazers lose uh, for the fourth time in five games. Yeah, fourth time in five games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not not great. Um, Blazers somehow. They actually improved their defensive rating status. They were last in the league, but after uh, actually not doing that bad of a job in terms of the per-possession basis compared to where they have been so far, they are 29th in defensive rating. Yeah, skyrocketing up the charts. They really had a hard time tonight with um, 
surprising with the Knicks pick and roll action. Uh, they clearly had a hard time guarding Kristaps Porzingis, who had 31 points on 13 of 23 shooting in 40 minutes. Um, uh, it was clear that uh, Mason Plumlee, who, who he fared better in the second half. The first half against Kristaps did not did not do uh, well. Uh, even um, the only people who I could really think ha- did had good consecutive possessions against Chris Tapps tonight was uh, Ed Davis and uh, surprisingly Myers Leonard. Um, when Harkless got switched on to him, he was just too big for him. So, um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely odd to see their defensive rating get better after tonight considering they gave up 107 points and lost. Yeah, another another stat for all, the, all, all you folks out there that love stats. <laughs> stat heads. Stat heads out there. Derrick Rose improves to three and one against Damian Lillard. It, it, this is just kind of a weird <laughs> thing that like Lillard's numbers are better uh, in, ter- uh-huh. in terms of like his three point shooting. Like it's not like he's performed worse. I think his points per game average is actually more than D Rose's in these games. But Rose's teams just end up winning more most of the time, which is just odd. Uh, D yeah. Rose actually had a, a pretty decent game in this one. He was 8 of 15 from the field, so he was efficient, and he had 18 points, 5 assists. He did create, I think, a lot of problems attacking the rim and drawing attention. And even though it wasn't, you know, he's not the same player that he used to be, he just took advantage of the fact that the Blazers have consistently let ball handlers get into the middle of the defense. Yeah, he he really had a hard time in the first half of last season where I did a video on it for a bloggable and SB Nation site. And so I watched I, I watched every single possession within five feet that Derrick Rose took all the way through like March or something. It, it was it was a lot. It was like 450 or 500 possessions. Um, so every field goal attempt he took inside of five feet five feet and what he did the first half of the season was he just took off too far away from the basket he he thought he was more athletic than he was essentially i think he was trying to propel himself from you know a step outside of the the restricted area what he did the second half of the season was essentially yeah he, he the got thing, the thing that he does where yeah. he, like it's almost like he's like chugging himself in the air that right. he, used, he used to be able to do that yeah. yeah, he used to be able to do the th- what you guys can't see right now is Eric I'm like, doing I'm like, like, like in place it's and... like it's like the running man. It's it's the running man in, in which is exactly what Rose tried to do. He would somehow like uh, you know like like if 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 it's Clyde the Glide, then it's like Rose the Walker. I don't know. It's it's very strange. It's like he's like it, on a stairmaster or no, something. He, yeah, he yeah. never he, he never really like he, he never like got up like gracefully. It wasn't like ever, no. like a straight line. It was always like he was like climbing up. Yeah. To where he and he just can't climb as high as he used to. It, you know what it, what it looked like? It looked like he was trying to double jump, like in Mario. That's yeah. that, that's oh what it looked like he was gosh. trying to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so he he realized I think that he couldn't do that last season. Uh, he he was you know he wasn't even getting the line because he wasn't getting calls because he was out of position. So what he did the second half of last season was he just got deeper and closer to the paint. That's what he did tonight against Portland. He had a couple up and under moves underneath the basket. Uh, you know, used the the rim to to shield himself and really got got deep into that Blazers defense, which is having a hard time, like you said, defending against guys um, penetrating. I don't know what they do. I mean, I, I guess they just kind of waited out for Aminu to get back. Things are not going to get any easier. They play Cleveland tomorrow. I don't think that Aminu is going to be back anytime soon. The timeline on him was two weeks from... Like, two it's, 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 it's going to be two weeks on Friday... And that's, mm-hmm. they said that that was going to be – it's two weeks on Friday since the last time the Blazers addressed it, and they said he was going to be reevaluated in two weeks. And so that means the earliest that he will likely play is Friday against the Pelicans, 
So he's not going to be there when they face the Cavs tomorrow. Yeah, which... when they they when they when they really need him. Um yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah. And even if he was getting shots up today before the game, um, obviously he did travel with the team on this trip, which is good news. But I think it's been pointed out before that those sort of those soft tissue injuries are they can be weird to sort of, you know, when they're not attendant or something, they can be weird to to get back into full action and be 100 percent confident in yourself as a player to go to go full speed. So I, I don't I don't know. I think they definitely need him. So I think I would assume that uh, Terry is trying to get that training staff to get him ready as quickly as possible. Yeah. Uh, something that, uh, some, uh, a, a listener, someone who listens to the show, uh, and follows me on Twitter brought up was, and that's at Mike Morris underscore 22 about what happens to the rotation when Aminu comes back, because it seems like Myers Leonard's playing better. Mm-hmm. It seems like the Stotts likes that Davis Leonard combination, that stagger double pick and roll, whatever you want to call it, where both of them set a screen on the ball handler and the Davis, dive the dive play, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the play where Davis dives at the rim and he's a good finisher, and then you have Myers popping out the three and he's a good shooter, and then you either have McCollum or Turner or some or or Lillard or whoever. Coming off that pick, it's a dangerous play. I I think that whenever Aminu does come back, that Myers stays in the rotation and that Vonley doesn't play. I agree. I agree. I think that um, especially given what Vonley has uh, done and shown you, I think we were talking about this you know, a couple of weeks ago, is that he's looked better and he's he looks a little more polished, but he's not giving you enough effort to – to continue to play him. And the flip side of that is if you have Myers who has a skill set that, um, well, let's back up first. You have Myers, a person who they paid a bunch of money to, uh, and they, and they're heavily invested in over multiple seasons. Second part of that would be that, uh, he's a guy with a special skill set. They like a skill set that fits directly into the team. Even if it's talking about players that maybe aren't quite quite ready to be starters yet. Myers is more ready from a skill set perspective to be a rotation player on this team. And the final part of that is that I think, now that he has gotten more minutes, Terry Stotts can kind of not that he didn't already know this, but it just seems obvious that Myers needs minutes in order to feel comfortable. He can't play in eight minutes. He can't play in two four minute shifts every other game, which doesn't make any sense. He just he needs that confidence and he needs that rhythm for his game. And so I think it just makes more sense to say, okay, fine, he's going to be the the I guess he's playing center. I mean. <laughs> But him and Davis both playing on the same court at the same time is it's like, I mean Myers is a is a power forward. Let's be honest, he Myers is a power forward. So, uh, I, I mean, I I, I mean, I I I will disagree about like I mean he he's an he's an offensive power forward. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he guards yeah, he guards he, he, he guards centers. Yeah, yeah. But he's and if we're talking about I don't know. Yeah, he, in any he, case, no, whatever. He changes his function on either side of the court. I I yeah, yeah like I I guess yeah. I guess yeah, anyway. it, it doesn't really. It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. I guess yeah. Exactly. It's semantics at this point. Yeah. I mean, so in any, in any case, he um with you know him and him and uh, Ed on the floor at the same time. It's an interesting lineup. And you're right. It just it just works better. It works better than trying to slot in Vonley and and then inking in some minutes. You know for Myers when you think it 
works better. And and the other part of that too, as we know, is that Terry's already gone deep this season, and he doesn't like to go. He doesn't like to go ten men deep no, on his no. on his bench. And so if we see that uh, you know Myers really solidifies that, you're right. We won't see much of of Noah. I don't think that much. Yeah, and, and, and it, yeah, as you mentioned, and as we've mentioned several times. Vonley has played better. I have liked the minutes that we've gotten to see of Vonley and Leonard together. Uh, you know, they've gotten yeah. to play a lot of times in garbage time, but their net rating is actually, or at least it was before this game, not that bad. Um, they were in the positive a little bit. And that's a good sign, I think, too, for the, just the future of the team that you have two of your younger guys uh, play well together. And I do think that Vonley could kind of turn into – because I do think he has the rebounding chops to eventually be a player like Davis that is just a menace on the offensive glass, Mm -hmm. but he's just not there yet. He's not there mentally where he needs to be locked in. He's not, I remember one possession in the first half where the, or no, I think it was actually the second half where they were switching. It was a transition opportunity and, and Myers is yelling at Vonley to switch to get the, to the right matchup, and Vonley mm-hmm. can't really – not that he can't right. hear him. It's, he's just – he doesn't know how to hear him yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, that's a good point. That's like, a good point. And, so and also, yeah. also, honestly, a testament to what you're saying is if uh, if you're watching Myers Leonard out there, even even on defense in terms of calling that stuff out, he's like a – I mean, he's 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 the, what, the second longest tenured or, or tied for the longest tenured player with on the Dan, team with yeah. Damian. Yeah. I mean – He's been part of the system, and he knows that doing stuff like that is going to keep him on the floor. And so if you look at it when he's on the floor, he is doing stuff like that. And somebody like Noah, not only is Noah, you're right, not able to hear him yet all the way and not able to process information quickly, he's also not doing it himself. No, no, he's he's not the one that's calling out things out there. He's not seeing things before they happen, and he has his numbers have been good his three point shooting numbers have actually been really good so far this season percentage wise he's actually shot it better than leonard but it's there's more to basketball than that and i think that just the way that leonard and davis play together the way that i think leonard is just a little bit he just even though he didn't shoot very well tonight he nor alan crab shot very well and i think mm-hmm. the more that i've watched this team you know 16 games in you learn you're still learning things a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. We don't know a whole lot about this team, especially with Turner. And I got to say, some of the plus-minus stuff with Evan Turner being awful falls mm-hmm. on Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard not being as good as they have been over the course of their career. And tonight, Turner has a good game, and he only ends up with two assists, but I can't imagine that he would only have two assists if Leonard right. and Crabb didn't go three of 16 from the field. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think and uh I think I talked about that in my last Q&A for Blazers Edge was that some of the guys on this or I've said it even on Twitter too, I think, but you know, some of the guys in this team that got paid haven't played up to <clears throat> I mean, some of them haven't even played up to the level they were playing last year, much less what you should be expected to play with another uh, you know, another off-season of training and another experience year of experience under your belt to think through to then apply it to the next season and getting that contract. Some of them have not played as well and I think obviously <clears throat> Myers is just just getting into it, but uh Crab has been a little bit of a disappointment just cuz he's had pretty consistent minutes so far and yeah, and not 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 played well enough. Yeah, not not really that many excuses for him. Uh I mean, his numbers 
they just they have not been I mean they've been I guess you could consider them passable for maybe Alan Crabb last year if mm-hmm. he were, if he was getting them last year when he was a guy that was stepping into a new role and you're like okay maybe he you know turns it around but you know last year he shot 39% from 3 was a money mid-range jump shooter and thus far he just hasn't given them that offensive pop that he gave them last year and that hurts yeah, and you know, the thing I, I think that we haven't talked about Alan Crabb enough, especially considering, um, I don't know. It, it's, I think it's weird we haven't talked about it enough, and maybe because there's so much other things going on with this team. But they didn't pay Alan Crabb to continue to develop him. They matched him, I think, because they thought that he was ready, especially in a second unit bench role, to be that guy who's like, look, we're a three-point shooting team, and we're going to blow the doors off you with our first unit and then this guy's gonna come off the bench and he's gonna blow the doors off you right so i mean alan crab that, that's really the whole showed appeal. us that's, that's the, the whole, whole that's the whole that's deal the whole that's why they that's matched the, that's why they hold that's why they that's why they did the whole all of the contracts right that, 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 that's, those two that's why units. they matched yeah and so alan crab not that i'm looking to you know throw heat on him or anything but um, I don't think he's he's definitely not playing to an expectation, but we haven't we haven't talked about him. We haven't talked about it, but it's like he's the one who's you know his his role is set, his skill set is set. He's not he does not have to adjust anything. He doesn't have to add anything. He seems to do what he has done before, and he isn't doing it yet. So it's it's interesting. You're right, and there's a, that that does impact the offense along on a string like you're talking about for uh, people like. Um, Evan Turner, who might have a couple more assists here and there, or lo- look better in terms of what he's trying to create, um, if those guys hit those shots. Right, and 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 Crab himself just has not he has not shot the ball very well, and that's also his two point shooting just hasn't been where it was last year. And right now, you, you you're kind of playing that game with yourself again, not to turn the heat up on him too much, but. You know, he did shoot extremely well from the mid-range last year in a way that players don't necessarily shoot. And mm-hmm. uh, if you want to keep an eye out on that thing, uh, on that, you want to make sure that he's getting better at all the other stuff. And, you know, his field goal attempts have not changed that much. He's only taking one less field goal attempt per game. But he just hasn't played up to his standards. And Leonard, I think, part of the injury has hurt him. Uh, and I and I you would just expect though Crab to play better when he's himself just in an interview with Nets Daily, the Brooklyn blog uh, for SB Nation, was talking about how he wanted to be a starter, and you know, right now he's not playing like a starting caliber wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know he's I'm just looking at his stats right now. He's taking uh, you know the same amount of um, or a little bit more uh, three point attempts, but he's shooting you know two percent worse. Essentially, what comes down to two percent worse or two and a half percent worse on three pointers. And when you think about the fact he's not shooting those, you know, uh, he's one of the players I think in this league. Well, CJ is also one of them too. Uh, where his mid range shots, you're kind of like, yeah, take them. I guess like you're good at them. I mean, yeah. you're good enough, good enough to a point where it, it makes sense. It's not like you're taking bad shots when you get to them. You're not hucking it from seventeen feet. So. If you combine those two things together, and you know that I've noticed is it seems like within the flow of the offense, he just hasn't had a lot of. He's almost shooting like um, like because he, I put a lot of his shots in these two buckets. One would be either he knows he's supposed to be shooting on the second unit, or the other portion of it is it's like 
oh god, he has to shoot right now because we're there's six seconds left in the shot clock or something. I feel like a lot of them have. I could be wrong on that, like statistically, but my feel from watching the offense and how he's involved, I don't see him catching a lot of like direct flare passes you know putting them up i don't see a lot of backdoor cuts i don't see a lot of those random open like wing jumpers we saw last year they're just sort of like he's just sort of hanging out on the arc and he's kind of covered a lot it seems like that's a really good observation and something you know you're right i feel like there's not as much backdoor action Mm -hmm. as there was last year I have a question for you. This is what I've noticed, and I haven't I haven't watched any I haven't rewatched any tape on this for this specific thing at all. Does it feel like so the the weave action to the top of the Blazers offense, which uh hopefully our, our fans understand what that is, um does it feel like you know how crisp route running in the NFL leads to guys like um you know uh, what's his face for the Broncos and the Patriots, like like Wes Welker, yeah. like being a really good receiver over uh-huh. a long period of time. I feel like the routes are not as crisp this year for the Blazers, and I don't know if it's something that oh. they're doing or if it's because they're or because like teams know what's coming and so they're like jumping them so they can't get the handoff or they can't they they jump the pass to the on the flare. Are you seeing the same thing? I thought I actually brought this up on the after the New Orleans game. Oh, okay. I brought this up. I, I, I just for this is why I'm thinking of it. It seems like Turner himself is not really that comfortable with like the Stotzian action, mm-hmm. like like that the dribble handoff, the weave, all that stuff. It seems more. It seems that's one thing where I think Turner has really actually messed things up. Like mm-hmm. when he's in there, it seems like that action seems a lot more clunky than it was with. Gerald Henderson even and I think it, it, there are some times where you feel like it's just it's better because I think Turner is such a smart player that he gets caught up in trying to see things and trying to look at in and looking ahead at things and I think a lot of times that Stotts's offense rewards guys that are just making quick decisions mm-hmm. and I think that Turner doesn't really make like quick decisions Mm-hmm. And I think his decision making is better overall than a guy like Gerald Henderson. But I do mm-hmm. think on some level, in Portland system where it was very much read and react, that a guy like Henderson was, you know, they kind of missed that. Uh, here's here's the the problem that could be li- uh, linked into that though is because part of the you know, the first option there's a dribble handoff and there's a flare screen on the other side. The first option is a three point shot for that guy who on the flare screen. He's not going to shoot that, and right. he knows that I think. So the problem is it's like if you if you're trying to read and react and you can't if the right read is to shoot that shot and, and you you're can't. open, yeah, and you can't. And then your second, then you're if you're reading it, you can't react to that. Then your second reaction is to drive, but you can't because the guy's already sagged down off of you because he knows you're not going to shoot it too. So it's it's something that I think is yeah, it just they don't feel crisp, and it feels like that action is just not. There's nothing coming out of that top weave action unless it's from Damon CJ just being like, watch this. Right. It, it seems like it's more of a almost a dummy action because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it, it's not really leading to anything it's not because it either like they're gonna do that and if it's turner he's gonna dribble into a mid-range pull-up or what i think honestly a lot of times they just should do instead of trying to make turner do stuff like that and i think they've done more of that lately or more of this lately in the last couple of games and just give him the ball like just get turner on the block and let him get his mid-range jumper 
and he's been hitting them better. And the other thing about Turner, again, I've been hard on him. We've all been hard on him. His shooting, he's not this bad at shooting. Like his mid-range jump shoot, jump shots are inefficient, but they're also not going in. And mm-hmm. so like, and they have been going in. He shot four of eight tonight. He was eight of twelve the other night. So his shooting numbers are slowly creeping back up. Uh, so I think maybe one of the things that they could do moving forward is just maybe make things a little bit simpler and maybe it sounds like counterintuitive to having like good, but maybe just like cut back on some of that. It would be interesting to see if Terry, so uh, when LaMarcus um, was out uh, or once he left, actually, you know, they ran a lot of this, uh, this action off of the, it's a thumb set that they, they run. And I, I did a breakdown on it and how they, how they run it for uh, their bigger guards. Um, last year and they, how they ran it for Wes Matthews a little bit. If they could maybe put Evan Turner in that role to it's, run it's, some of those plays. And so this okay. is, this is a, like a post-up. So to speak. yeah, it's, okay. it's a post-up. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a horn set. There's a, there's a dribble weave. And then there's basically a little, there's a screen on the block down road to get, to get somebody. And there's a couple different actions that come and out they, of it. And they would some do of, LA West and, and right. All right. Yeah. And, and, or some of them end up with, in this case, it'd be like Evan Turner setting up a, a pick for the ball handler cj or damien and then it being a pick and roll from there which would also be a, a pick and fade for turner for a mid-range jumper so some of those seem like they would but i i honestly don't know if evan turner is a good post-up player or not but it seems like within the scheme of this offense it's like well you have to you're, you're either have to be able to run a pick and roll which you can't do very well because you don't have that many options off of it right. and you have to be able to shoot a three which you can't do or you have to be able to post up. Like those are like the three like very solid things. We know how they all slot into this offense. And the offense, as much as I as much as I hate to say it, it's not going to change that much for Evan Turner. I mean, they're they're just not. So it's like how they're ad- ad- be able to adapt to it is going to be really interesting. Yeah, because the thing is, they they can't. Uh, yeah, I think this is the pro- part of the problem when you sign him. And you have him on your team, and you're building an identity around him. Is that you can't? The Blazers can't do with their second units what they do with their first units, and mm-hmm. it, it, they have to change who they are at times. And it, it's going to be funky how they fit in there. But I do think that you know Turner is going to be able to find some quality mid-range shots off of that. Ed Davis, Myers Leonard pick and roll. I think CJ can help space the floor for that. And I think just him making a couple mid-range shots will open up things. And I just think that they have to be willing to adjust. And I think they're just going to have to curtail things, you know, things just more to his skill sets moving forward. And Mm because they don't really, they don't really have a choice right now. Because the way he's played, you're not going to get anything. You can't trade him. That's not realistic. So you you got, you got to figure out how to make it work. And, you know, and I think, yeah. Uh, along those lines, too, I think people need to realize uh, the other issue that the Blazers have, we were talking about it earlier with Al- Alan Crabb, is you can't trade Alan Crabb either because he's the only player that signed uh, on that um, that they matched. And you can't tr- you can't trade a player in the year that you matched him on his, um, his restricted free agency offer. So right. you're either looking at uh, trading – again, no one's going to trade for Evan Turner because he's not playing well. That's why you want to get rid of him. So it's like if you really wanted to make a change – because I know a lot of the questions that come to me on Twitter are about – trades and movement that kind of stuff and it's like i don't know who's trading for vonley and they don't want to do that i don't know who's trading for myers because they paid him in there he's not playing very well yet same thing for evan turner and you can't trade on crab and right. moharkless you can't trade moharkless or else you're terrible so it's like 
Yeah, Harkless. Not a lot of options. Yeah, Harkless has been probably their third best player, Mm -hmm. I would say, so far uh, this season. And Plumlee got. Plumlee is like the best. Is is like a great fantasy basketball player. (laughs) Yeah. He's a center that gets you assists. He gets assists, and he had nine points, nine rebounds, four assists tonight. But my God. You know, people people rag on Lillard and McCollum. Mm-hmm. I think Plumlee's worse for the defense? health. The health of the defense. I think. I think he causes a lot more defensive issues than Dame does, or that he was CJ he, does. I mean, he he. I I'm just I I'm so he freelances way too much. He's uh he's interesting in in that um he is an earnest defender. He wants to defend well. It seems like, and due to his passing, you know that he sees the the offense and he sees the floor well but it's interesting on defense because i think a lot of times he's facing he's he's a center but he faces the basket a lot with the ball and which is perfect in terry's dots offense he's up high so maybe it's because i remember that having this issue as a kid i was a point guard my whole life and then uh when everybody hit puberty none of my friends got bigger so my whole basketball team was all still like five six five seven so at five eleven i had to go from being the point guard and i was like the best player on the team and i or the second best player on the team, maybe. And I was like the best choice to be a point guard. And all of a sudden, I had to play power forward. And I was facing the wrong way, essentially. I wasn't facing the basket anymore. And I was like, I don't know how to play. I'm, I was a bad power forward. And so maybe it's something like that on defense because he's facing away from the basket. And he's he plays offense so well facing the basket. But you're right. I, you know, I did a, a, a defensive, like, how good is CJ McCollum on defense thing last year for Blazers Edge. And <laughs> one of the things I noticed is it's like, it's kind of a side note, but it's like Mason Plumlee is like in the way a lot of the times on pick and roll coverage. Like he's he's essentially screening his own uh, teammate because he's jabbing at the he's digging at the wrong time. He's in the wrong spot. I just he's he's hard to watch on defense, unfortunately. And I don't I know that there's a lot of talk um, within the statistics community that he's overall like a net typically a net positive player, and he's. Uh, this and that, but it's like at the end of the day, I, I have a hard time seeing him as like, which is it's it's why he plays the least amount of minutes. If he's good at defense, he wouldn't play the least amount of minutes out of every starter. Alan Crabb wouldn't have played more minutes than him last season if Mason Plumlee could defend. Right, there wouldn't be any need. He right. would he would he would play thirty five minutes a game. No, and it, and it's crazy because he like like you mentioned, he's obviously a very smart player. He mm-hmm. is very athletic. He's a very able player. He just, I, I don't. And he's not lazy. He's not lazy. I, I really think it's like an over. I think he's overactive. I, I think that he, instead of like trying to get everybody else under control and like kind of direct traffic, I think mm-hmm. he tries to direct traffic and make the defense. You know, he tries to impose his will on the offense more, less more so than kind of directing traffic, which is what I think the best defensive centers do is that and and i mean i there were a couple there have been a couple of times this year where i've seen a guard you know shade one way expecting plumley to be in a certain place and plumley's mm-hmm. not in the place that they expect and i don't know whether the you know the, they have been they're last in defense right now i just don't you know i i i 
I'm, I'm, I just don't know how they can get... I mean, Aminu is really great, obviously. But, I mean, Plumley has got to get a little bit better. I don't know how he gets better. I don't know what he does. I don't know that it's like an effort thing. I don't know how he slows things down. But I just... Mm-hmm. I wonder when that's going to come, too. You know, I think... What is this his fourth year now? Yeah, and, and, and another portion of it is that, you know, if, if Neil O'Shea has said that Festus Azili is a midseason acquisition, essentially... That's way too long for how bad the Blazers are playing right now. That's way too far away. Because, you know, uh, their defense wasn't this – when they were losing a bunch of games this early in the season last year, their defense wasn't this bad, I don't think. No. I mean – It was – Yeah. Uh, it was it – was, I think it was like maybe like bottom five or something. Yeah, yeah. But, but it wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst in the league. And, it, and yeah. the part about it, okay, I, I want to ask you about this and what you think why this is. But uh, I haven't let – me, let me double check the numbers so that I okay. have the most accurate uh, numbers <laughs> when, we, when we discuss for the, this. For the, for the stat heads, for the stat heads out there. For the stat heads that um, – yeah. But, okay, Blazers are tied with the Mavericks for dead last in rebounding. They were a top 10 rebounding team last year. They've been playing at Davis more, and that has helped. But mm-hmm. I don't understand what the heck is going on. I mean, I know that, that Aminu being out definitely hurts. But to I, don't th- is, I can't really believe that Aminu is the difference between the worst rebounding team in the league and a top 10 rebounding team. I, I could think it could be one of two things. One, although on offense, Aminu is uh, typically in a lot of the same spots that he was last season. Because um, even as a power forward, he's still we've seen him unfortunately shoot a lot of threes and miss them this year. Um, so he's still playing along the arc. So he's seeing the floor from the offensive end of the floor a lot of the times, or some of the times at least, um, the same way. But on defense, you know, he's banging with Blake Griffin you know, for the first eight, eight minutes of the first quarter. So when Blake Griffin takes a shot from 10 feet, where is Aminu versus where he was last year? You know, if you're if you're Blake Griffin, then the small forward's on the opposite side of the floor from you probably. And that's what Aminu last year, both Aminu and Harkless were. And we've seen this with um, the year uh, Nick Batum's rerunning numbers went up. Terry Stotts designated him to be a board crasher. Look, and if you watch Nick Batum, all he would do when a shot went up, he turned around from the arc and sprinted towards the rim. And that's an easy way to see the basket, I think, if you are, especially if you played your whole life that way, how the ball bounces off the rim changes versus how far away you played from the basket your whole life. And so Aminu, I think, is more of a 18-foot to 20-foot turn around, crash the boards, find it from there. He's not a box out, push you out of the way, or take, oh, you know, or uh, a more nuanced way to look at it would be like, a, oh, somebody shot and I need to take two small steps this way and this is where the ball is going to come. That's hard. That's especially if you're six nine and you're not six eleven and you're getting boxed out by guys. I mean, there's no there's no question Blake Griffin is talking about power forwards in the NBA. Blake Griffin is taller and stronger and he's played more time as a traditional power forward in the NBA. So I think that could be a, an issue in terms of uh, the style. The style and who's crashing what where. So not necessarily Aminu's own rebounding numbers, but how that affects who's standing where on the floor, who can get what, right? So if if somebody else was engaged with somebody last year, that allows Aminu to crash in. Now he has to be the one who's engaged. Maybe he's not as good at it. That allows the ball to go to somebody else. And I also have seen a lot of guys standing around the arc for the Blazers. You know, Alan Crabb, who's not necessarily a a rebounder, but I think that's somebody who I've noticed when balls go up is still standing around the arc a lot. Um, And so, you know, if you have have Mason 
Plumley and I mean both Mason Plumley and Myers Leonard are the kind of guys who uh, Myers definitely more than Mason Myers does that thing where a shot goes up and he does that thing where he does the Robin Lopez and immediately sticks his butt out and tries to find somebody he doesn't do it all the time but he doesn't more than Mason but both of those guys are still more like sort of back tappers you know they're they're more they're back tappers they're not box a guy come they're not Tyson Chandler boxing guy out and getting the rebound and going back up with it that's Ed Davis Ed Davis is that guy and if you only have one of those guys and Aminu's in a different spot and Alan Crabb isn't crashing yeah maybe that's that's going to change the whole composition because neither Damian nor CJ who are getting a bunch of those minutes and thus make up sort of your rebounding potential of your team those guys aren't rebounders either so and they're also not crashers and they're and and to their credit. Damian and CJ have had career years so far. Like this mm-hmm. is the like they they're, they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot, and they're rebound. <laughs> yeah. They're rebounding too, and they they can't also be expected to create. They can't be expected to create every shot, create every shot for other people, and box out every bo- box out every player, <laughs> and grab every rebound. They right. can't do everything. Like they are great, they are phenomenal, but they just can't do everything. And the Blazers just haven't had enough of rebounding. The Davis thing has has helped. I think Davis. They have to play Davis at least like twenty minutes a game. Like they just they don't have a choice. I think. I agree. Uh, I, I I think that he has to play at least that, and we've seen him get you know help help them, and I think that that will balance out. But again, they tonight they need a stop with. I think it was like thirty five seconds left. They get they get the stop that they need. They get a missed shot and they can't get the rebound and that they mm-hmm. won the rebounding battle, I think by one tonight, but this team, the thing why I'm so hung up on rebounding is because they were good at it last year. Mm-hmm. And, and I, as, as much as I know that there's luck involved in rebounding where the ball bounces, it's a round ball. It can bounce a lot of different places, but there's I 20 spots. Right. Well, yeah, and I, I I think a lot of the things that I said make sense, especially yeah. if you see it from the flip side of if you have Aminu crashing, who's a big powerful – he's a big powerful three last year. And if you have Vonley starting 40 games, who's a gigantic human being. So not only is he hard to move, even if he's not a like an excellent an excellent guy to box somebody out, how is Chris Paul, or let's say he's he's a good rebounding guard, but even even a pretty good rebounding guard, it's it's hard to get around. If you're six, well, whatever, however tall Chris Paul actually is, five eleven, I don't know, six one, yeah. um, uh, it's hard to get around somebody as large as Noah Vonley. At least when you have to step around him and you have a guy like Aminu crashing down to get it. So if you have if you're a guard or a, or a shooting guard and you're trying to 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 you know crash down to get a rebound or something or if you're in the mix and you have to get around both somebody like Noah Vonley and then somebody is big and tall and strong uh jumping over him his own teammate to get a rebound like Aminu or Mo Harkless same you know same, same body type it's so hard to get those rebounds there's just so much more length on the floor. The Blazers got smaller the Blazers got smaller. That was a conscious choice. So, yeah, um, I think that's that's at least part of it. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I, and I think there's got. I, th- I think there's definitely a strong correlation though between their inability to rebound defensively suddenly and their poor defensive rating. Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that like the team. Like, I, I would like to make that that distinction that I think that I don't necessarily think their defense on an individual contesting shots getting in people's faces knowing what's coming basis is bad 
it's you yeah. can, but your defense can only be so good if you're the worst rebounding team in the league you know so it's yeah i, I maybe maybe i think i mean you obviously said it but i think before you came to that conclusion and you were just watching them i think the conclusion that i came to was that they're not getting enough rebounds like in terms of their defense i'm like they all they look the same to me they look the same like they're all playing the same like yeah they blow a lot of their the second action on the pick and roll they blow that a lot like well, they did that a lot last year, you know. But it seems to me when like the other teams just getting more possessions when they when they when they need to have them when they need to have them. Right, and, and also, yeah. uh, uh, you know, another thing about the rebounding is that it's been they were at, they were way better at offensive rebounding last year than they were than defensive rebounding. As we've mentioned, Davis being in the lineup helps their offensive rebounding, but uh, they also have not been the same offensive team so far this mm-hmm. season. I think in large part, again, to the rebounding. They just haven't gotten enough, and they just haven't gotten enough of those offensive boards. You know, Plumlee hasn't helped enough there. I think Harkless could do a better job. Uh, you know, I think Harkless has been a good offensive player. I think he, they've, they've really, you know, he's been getting more stuff, more dump downs. But, you know, they just, they need another way to create havoc because, uh, and, and get more stuff going because, if they don't do that, then they just need Crab and and Myers and Turner to all hit their shots and like they're doing this right now. And Harkless is still shooting a good percentage from three. And there's a lot of stuff that's happening that's like that's in a positive for them that is kind of getting negated by the fact that they're not doing mm-hmm. the basics well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, that's that's a perfect explanation about why they're eight and eight right now. I I totally agree. Yeah, I think they're they're doing the next level stuff. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it's the it's the basics right now where the Blazers are kind of slipping, and so they got Cleveland tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good good luck with that. Kevin Love is balling. LeBron, Kyrie, uh, Kyrie and Dame, obviously a, a fun little matchup there. Uh, anything else uh, you wanted to 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 mention? Shout out anything that you're working on anything that you want the people to look out for any what's your favorite uh thanksgiving Ooh. uh what's your favorite what's your, what's your favorite thanksgiving like side <laughs> side or food or entree like, we we yeah. we just had this conversation here at home because we are thank god we are staying home for thanksgiving we're not we're, we live in seattle now so we're not we don't have to drive to portland and see everybody we're excited about it we're excited to have my girlfriend and i to have a a Thanksgiving dinner, we're kind of like making for ourselves. So we we like we went through the whole list and so, oh, what do we get? When should we go get it or whatever? You know, like what should we make? Oh, that's too much food. Blah blah blah. Um, so I I decided on stuffing is my <laughs> stuffing just like not not fancy at all. Like I don't want celery in it or any of that shit. Like no, I, I want I just want like stuffing in a box, <laughs> like just the cheapest crappiest stuffing you can St- possibly stove, have. Stove top, just stove top, man. And then and then and the same thing. Like and I want. I mean, I'll eat good gravy that, like, I mix, you know, if I, what I, I do like the, um, you ever, like, uh, made, like, upscale college ramen where you, like, you put, like, frozen vegetables in it? I'll do that thing with the gravy, so I'll get, like, the brown gravy packet, and then I'll do what you do with real gravy, which is, you, I'll mix it all together, and then I'll take uh, the drippings from the turkey, and I'll put it into that. So it's, like, it's half cheap garbage, and then half how you would actually make gravy, that's what like, I like 50 years the, ago. That's what I like to call lazy gourmet. 
Yeah, where, exactly. Where, where Lazy you, gourmet. Where, yes. where you use it's like you use something frozen or something pre-prepared as a starter, but then you <laughs> add your own little twist. So it's not like the worst. You know? Right. Like, exactly. Like yeah, that's what I. I that's my yeah. That's uh. That, that's what I like to call that. But uh, yeah, Lazy that's gourmet. my. That's 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 my favorite. Just like just stuffing with gravy. It's just it's the worst. I get a whole box of it. What about you? I I love stuffing with gravy. My mom does not make stovetop. My mom has made <laughs> a, my mom made a she does this thing where she puts Italian sausage, wheat bread, apricots and like and and like walnuts. Mm-hmm. So like really, oh, that's the stuffing. Yeah, that's the, it's like a really it's like a really hearty stuff. You got to yeah, you got a protein in your stuffing. That's what two, I'm two, two proteins in your stuffing. Yeah, with the walnuts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like get, get those omega threes from, <laughs> from the nuts. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I, my mom's stuffing is fire. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm happy I'm happy about that. And uh, apple pie is is yeah, like, oh. is like my is my jam. So oh I, man, I'm all I'm all about that. Oh, and gravy, obviously, like I don't I don't like. There's nothing on my Thanksgiving plate that doesn't have gravy. Yeah, yeah, everything. That's what I've, I've done more and more of that as I've gotten older. Is that everything is just like, like I remember, uh, you know, they're always being leftover gravy. And now if I make things, I made Thanksgiving. Like I lived in Charlotte one year, so I had to make Thanksgiving like alone. Uh, and so, uh, but it's just like I never have any leftover gravy now. It's just like every the whole plate is just covered in gravy. Why? What? What? What are you <laughs> saving the gravy for? What are you saving the gravy for? Let's be honest. You ever had saved gravy? Gross. Come on. Yeah. And and, so. and you just want it you want it all the stuff to be you just want a little extra it's like yeah. that, that's the whole yeah. point like I feel yeah. like gravy is Thanksgiving like it it's just the extra, it's the extra gluttony that that Thanksgiving represents because you're like oh like oh this has this is mashed potatoes and it has salt and it has I don't know whatever else you but, put into it but then milk. it's like then it's then it's also <laughs> it needs yeah butter and milk and then you also need to put a sauce over it like you don't need that sauce and what your Thanksgiving is totally gravy when else are you getting gravy it's not like <laughs> are you going around eating gravy I mean you know Unless nobody's you, going around eating gravy all the time yeah yeah and we're talking about like the turkey gravy we're not talking about breakfast gravy like right that, that's that's a different this is not part of the conversation so don't yeah, waiting in line at screen so, door so, doesn't so count. those so those of you who who want to be the well actually guy and come into the mentions and be like <laughs> hey well, what about breakfast gravy is no that's yeah. not what we're talking about oh well i went to pine state i had gravy on sunday no nobody cares that's not what we're talking about no we're not talking about the reggie you know? yeah we're not talking about the reggie okay um <laughs> uh, all right uh i think that's gonna do it subscribe to the podcast on itunes Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn FM. If you would like to advertise on Locked On Blazers, email us at lockedonblazers at gmail.com or slide into the DMs at Locked On Blazers or you can hit me up at Eric underscore Gunderson on Twitter. And obviously you can follow Dane as well at Dane Carbaugh on Twitter. Yeah, um, hit me up. Send us some questions, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Send us some questions. We'd like to get more then like one to do a, <laughs> to do to do a question show so don't be shy if you have any takes if it's even if it's not just pertaining to the blazers this year if you have any future takes you know you want to you want to do that type of stuff which i know is fun to talk about in terms of the nba because we know that you know a lot of these guys are going to be in the league and and stuff like that so um yeah have a good thanksgiving dane thank you for coming on i'm stoked Later, man. Yeah, all right. Uh, have yeah, a good Thanksgiving. Good all right. You too. And, and y'all as well.
Ace's the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.